Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to the weekend preview on the Athletic Football Podcast sponsored by Bet365. On Fridays we'll be here to preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action and I've got my co-host George Ellick and Bet365 Steve Freeth alongside me to help. How are you both? Start with you George. Yeah I'm good. I'm good. Busy week. Um, lots of Carabao Cup action which was uh, which was interesting. I won't mention it too much in front of Steve but um, no, I don't you know it was... It's uh, yeah, been a good week so far. Yeah, a few teams scoring six goals actually in the in the Carabao Cup, Steve. One of them Aston Villa, West Brom. The other one's conceding six. Oh, the joy of six! Hey, fant- yeah, exactly. absolute, absolutely fantastic. Um, I went to Stoke on Tuesday night. They're playing well, which is uh, which is good to see. But yes, I think I'll recover from from Arsenal beating their under sixteens by six goals to nil, pal. Yeah, I think I think you'll be all right. I don't think the West Brom were ever massively concerned by the Carabao Cup this season. But I tell you what, though, George, West Ham—they're off to an absolute flyer. And your man Antonio—he's just picked up where he left off last season as well. It gets better every single season, doesn't it? Incredible. I, I wondered—you uh, know—we're recording this on Thursday, and Gareth Southgate uh, released his England squad uh, a couple of hours ago. And I know that Antonio is getting his Jamaican passport and is set to become a Jamaican international fairly soon. But I wonder if a call went in just to say, to yeah. fancy actually changing your mind because he's, he's an incredible player. Um, so many different strengths to the way that he can run in behind. He can hold the ball up. He's a very intelligent footballer um, with the quality to boot. So yeah, a, a great start for West Ham. I think David Moyes relishes um, proving people wrong. And he's certainly proving that you know, you give him a half-decent Premier League squad and time to build around it, he's very adept at getting them performing above the level that they probably should be playing at. I mean, it's too early, I think, to get carried away and start talking about West Ham as top four challengers, let alone title challengers. But they finished sixth last season and they've carried on and probably improved on that. Yeah, they've got the Europa League, which can bring its own problems to, to come, Steve. Yes. But because they haven't had much transfer activity... Yeah. I'd kind of not forgotten about them, but they had kind of gone under the radar and I wasn't thinking about them as being a top six side this season, really. No, no, me, me neither. Dan, to be honest with you, I'd kind of written them off and thinking, well, maybe, you know, the top half, top eight at, at best. Um, I'm looking forward to my Dan Bardell uh, cardboard cutout, a bit like Antonio's got as well. So I've got a few knocking around, Steve. I can, I can send one of the first yeah, two if you want. I'm, I'm not surprised by that uh, in the slightest, mate, but it's been, it, it's been a great start for the Hammers and uh, I really enjoyed watching that game. I thought it was brilliant as a neutral. Great stuff. Monday Night Football is always good anyway, but when you've got a great game to go in with it as well, it's even better. George, one of your men had a good day on Saturday as well, Rafinha. Yeah, I said on the first podcast that we did together that I thought he'd be the standout player um, from those whose career is on the upward trajectory and he's, he started very well. He missed 
an absolute sitter late on uh, against Manchester United in the opening game. It wouldn't have mattered, but it would have got him off the mark. But um, certainly didn't miss with a brilliant strike against Everton uh, to get the point. Uh, he started the season well. I'm, I'm glad to see he's done so. And um, yeah, he's a player who's in, I think, pretty much every single person's fantasy football team. Uh, not mine. Not mine. Anybody. Not mine. Well, <laughs> you, you lads are missing a trick. He's the only player that gets many points. Yeah, he's he's a he's a brilliant talent and somebody who um, yeah I'm glad to see he's hit the ground running because he's going to continue to uh, be a difficult player for opposition defences uh, to to try and contain. Yes, Stephen. More transfer news. Harry Kane is staying. The Athletics James Horncastle is reporting yesterday though that Ronaldo's agent George Mendes is now sounding him out to the, to the likes of Man City. I mean, I can't get my head around that at all. What 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 do you make of it? Well, I mean, Harry Kane, of course, he's going for. Uh... Thierry Henry's record of four golden boots as well. So nothing's really changed as far as Spurs are concerned. But Ronaldo, I mean, I don't know what you guys think of him in the in the Premier League. I, I just don't see him as a, a Pep Guardiola player, really. He's, he's not, not a type of manager for me to go for a, a static striker, which which he will be. Admittedly, he will get loads of chances. And and just one that doesn't obey team orders. You know, I, I, Pep will be a stickler for that. So I am surprised if he does go to Manchester City. I don't think he'll be... Uh, I don't think it'll be not Pep's choice, but I, 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 I've never thought of him really, really wanting Ronaldo. However, if you're asking how many goals he'll get, he'll certainly be respected, and I'll probably go for about 25. Well, I mean, I, I I'm not a massive Rocket fan. I mean, I, I obviously rate him as a as a footballer, but I do think there are limitations clearly to to the way that he plays football these days compared to to what he once was. But I think calling him a static striker has got to be harsh. His his ability to run in behind is still incredible and is you know he's still got that salmon leap as well not that I think Man City will use that too often because they don't really put balls into the box in the air but I mean I I do think he's probably going to be better suited to playing in this system where the whole team is basically catered around providing him with goal scoring opportunities he's still popped up playing off the left quite often for Juve and still scored a lot of goals I think certainly his off the ball movement and his pressing you know if if Pep sometimes doubted uh, Sergio Aguero because of his pressing. He's going to have uh, a bit of an issue with Ronaldo off the ball. But certainly in terms of in possession, I think he's going to score loads of goals. Uh, I think it's going to be a massive problem for the rest of the Premier League. Well, he's what is it? He's 36 and I'm a 36 waist. So I shouldn't really um, you know, be, too, <laughs> be too critical of the fellow who's had an absolutely brilliant career. I just want to say, how dare George question Steve's knowledge of static strikers when Steve's been a West Brom fan his whole life? <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely. You are outrageous. absolutely queuing up for me this week, aren't you? Okay. Obsessed, obsessed you are. You've turned me, you've turned me with your little text messages in, in the week, having pop, pops at Villa, which made me want to, want to get at you on the, on the podcast. Right then, we will look at Man City v Arsenal in a second, so this leads us nicely in, into it. And let me remind you at the moment that you can subscribe to The Athletic and save 33% on the access to the best newsroom in sport. So that's just £3.33 a month for an entire year. All you got to do to redeem that is go to theathletic.com slash Ornstein and you'll be able to take advantage of that offer. Right then, George, we've touched on the fact that Arsenal beat West Brom 6-0 away on Wednesday night in the Cup. few faces making appearances at the Hawthorns, who Arsenal fans will be pleased to see there, to be honest. Erdegaard, Aubameyang, Lacazette all came back into the fray. But does that make a difference to them on, on the weekend? It's so hard to say, because on the positive side, that is, you know, the front four of Aubameyang, Erdegaard, Saka and Pepe is probably the four that uh, Arsenal fans want to see. I mean, I know that Smith Rowe is incredibly popular, but you can't have Smith, Gohan and Odegaard both playing in the same team, in my opinion. So um, 
that is the four and, and they all played their part and Lacazette came off the bench and played his part as well they were all involved in goals Aubameyang's third goal was, was a joy to behold they looked like they were having fun you know the Arsenal fans after the game um, stayed behind and you saw uh, Aubameyang taking off his shirt and giving it to the fans you know it was their big day out it looked like for a second um, what but a the scalp. crucial thing what a, what a scalp we are eh? but the the, cru- the crucial thing here is is that it was Arsenal having fun and it was Aubameyang scoring a hat-trick and it was Pepe getting on the score sheet and it was Saka linking with Odegaard all this stuff is important and for Mikel Arteta who said you know he said after the um, the Chelsea game he said you know this is we're going to be a different team you know when I have the players that I want to play this is going to be a different team and he is right when you look at the personnel but you've got to caveat that by saying that they didn't just beat a championship side in West Brom they beat a West Brom side who made 11 changes from their league games between those 11 players that started the game yesterday, only one player had one start, and that was Cedric Kipre on, on, on opening day of the season. This, was, this wasn't even a B team. This was basically a C team. And the subs that he made as well, uh, Valerian Ishmael, he brought on three players for their debuts. So he basically had eight debutants or nine debutants playing for West Brom here. So yes, it's significant. Yes, Arteta will be delighted that those players in particular were having fun and played well and linked well. But they've probably beaten a League Two quality team there, maybe a, maybe a National League quality team when you look at the players who are put in. So, yeah, I mean, let's not get carried away. I don't think we can um, chastise those who were, who were writing the early obituaries for, for Arsenal season uh, purely on the back of that one performance and result. Yeah, you mentioned them having fun. I mean, I've been having some fun on the podcast that I do at Arsenal's expense, not going too down too well with the Arsenal fans <laughs> at the moment. So I'm going to try and be good this week. But do you think the the like crisis button's been pushed a, a little bit too prematurely, Steve, on Arsenal? Uh, possibly. I think such is the way these days, isn't it, on social media? There's no middle ground. It's either half full or half empty. Um, but clearly that will give them a boost. Certainly it's given the fans you know, a boost as well. I mean, from from a, a, a bookmaker's point of view, Arsenal have been in the past classed as a big six side, but quite honestly, the bookmakers just don't see that anymore. They're 11 to four to finish in the top six and, and seven to four to finish in the bottom half. So historically, you know, they haven't lost their first three league games, what, since 1954-55. And Manchester City are a heavy odds-on favourites to do that. They've won their last eight Premier League games against Arsenal as well and, you know, not scoring in the last four as well. So, listen, last season, Dan, Arsenal were 9-2 to two to win at the Etihad. They're now 12-1 to one to go there and get three points. So, that probably tells you a story in itself. Yeah, I don't think I'd even be putting a pound on that if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest. Pep at Man City as well, George. He's, he's suggesting at the end of next season... He might take a little break from club football, perhaps delve into international football and, and leave Man City. What did you make of those comments? Not unsurprised, I don't think. You know, the culture um, of football, especially in Spain, it's, it's pretty rare that you get uh, players building anything more of a half a decade legacy, really. And I think the, the amount of time that Pep Guardiola would have spent at Man City if he does leave in, in 2023... Uh, would be longer than you probably would have anticipated when he joined. When you look at the spell that he had at Barcelona, when you look at the spell he had at Bayern Munich, you know that indicates a man who is not looking to to do an Arsene Wenger or a Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, and it maybe goes some way to explaining um, the interest in Cristiano Ronaldo if he thinks he's going to be leaving in two years' time. You know, you look back at Sir Alex Ferguson going pretty off. Uh, off-piste with his normal recruitment strategy by convincing Robin, Robin Van Persie to sign a two-year deal at uh, at United before turning around after a year when he won the Premier League and saying, yeah, farewell, sorry, Robin. So, um, 
it's 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 not a massive surprise. It's just going to be a huge task for Manchester City to 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 try and replace him because you know even though some people there will point at the at the checkbook when they talk about Guardiola's success. In my opinion, uh, yes, of course that is true. Uh, he does bring in, uh, spend a lot of money at Man City, and he has done everywhere. But his the level of coaching, the football that they play, uh, and the way that he's able to talk about the game and improve players is pretty much unparalleled, I think, in modern football. And uh, they're going to have a tough time finding the next one. Let's fast forward, right? I'm going to ask you a question now. I know it's an impossible question, but who who would you think now, if you had to say, would replace Pep? And then uh, the in two years' time, we'll come back and have a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a name in my head, but I'm not sure it's it, it's with any real substance. Nar Guzman is the one that I think. Yeah, but- I mean, I think I think that that's the the obvious choice. But he's just joined Bayern. Hmm. You know, you you wouldn't think that two seasons there, unless things go wrong, would necessarily be enough. Um, I fancy it, the Premier League in two years' time if he wins everything at Bayern. That's my thinking. But I mean, I've been, I, I've been wrong a number of times. No, no, I think I think he'd be the most likely, but I'm not convinced. You know, it's like whenever you look at the England the England manager odds, the guy at the top is probably the most likely at the time, but actually, realistically, is he going to get the job? Probably Dean not. Smith. Dean Smith is actually one of the is one of the is one of the favourites at the moment. And that's no, is it? And that's yes, and that's no exaggeration. Um, just going back to Pep Dan quickly. I know he's he's obviously been fascinated by uh, English football, even at, even as a kid, and he loved the FA Cup. He fell in love with Man United and Old Trafford, but I don't see him going there personally. I know we've talked, some people have mentioned, you know, Gareth Southgate's tactical shortcomings, particularly after the Euros. And if there was a a job for him, maybe elsewhere, I think the England job would definitely appeal to Pep. Um, You know, a, a number of players coming through, but... I believe his original dream was to win the World Cup with Brazil. And I know they've never had a, a non-Brazilian manager, but I think that would be something that I'd like to see Pep in charge of Brazil. It's interesting because I'm guessing, despite being a, a Spain international because of political issues, you've got a, a, a world-class manager who um, it wants to manage internationally who probably wouldn't want to manage his national team. So, mm. you know, I guess that opens the door. I mean, initially when... You mentioned England there. I kind of scoffed a bit in my head, but actually when you think about it, when you rule that out, if you take Spain out of the equation, then I guess England and Brazil will become the, the two most likely for Pep. We've moved slightly away from the Man City-Arsenal game, Steve, but <laughs> give me your tip for that game. Yeah, he, he started on the bench actually <clears throat> against Norwich. Um, took him 10 minutes to score, but this guy's got 115 goals and 87 assists to his name. He's not first name on the team sheet anymore, but Raheem Sterling absolutely loves playing against Arsenal. He got both goals in the 1-0 wins last season. He scored in both games the season before. He got the season opener at the Emirates the season before that. He's 9-2 to two to score first. Um, I think I'll be back in that each way if, he, uh, if Pep starts him at the weekend. Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Let's look now at the Saturday tea time game. It's Liverpool against Chelsea. Although I don't think it'll be the most entertaining game in the world, I actually think it's going to be a really, really interesting game, George. Are Liverpool kind of going under the radar when people talk about title runs and who's going to win the league? Yes. I mean, that is the short answer. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the market does uh, for the for the title when and if Ronaldo does sign for Manchester City because they've drifted out from four to six to six to five. So they're odds against now. Uh, Chelsea five to two, Liverpool four to one. Chelsea and Liverpool started the season five to one the pair. So despite Liverpool winning both of their games to nil and doing so, I think more convincingly than both the scorelines um, suggested, Chelsea have shortened much more than Liverpool. And I, I can't really work out why. I mean, I, I said on opening on the opening podcast we did before the season that this Liverpool squad, to me, looks like a better squad than the one who started last season at 7-4, to four, even before the, the injury issues that they had. Um, and, I, and I can't really work out why. I mean, I know that the Lukaku addition is massive for Chelsea, but we kind of knew that they were going to get in a striker at that early stage. And we even spoke on the podcast about the likelihood of Lukaku joining. So Chelsea have, of course, started the, the season really well and couldn't really have done better. And, and I know we're going to talk about Lukaku's performance against Arsenal uh, in a second. Um, but I, I do feel like there's a not a level of disrespect, but but just the they, they seem to be the team that are being forgotten at the moment. A, a team who've won... Uh, the Champions League under this manager, a, a team who've won the Premier League under this manager as well, who probably enjoy more of a benefit from fans being back at Anfield than, than any other team around them, having fans back at home as well. So yeah, I, I think that Liverpool still represent the value to me at four to one for the title. Having said that, that six to five City, if they bring in a Ronaldo who I think is going to score an embarrassment of goals, um, could be the way to go. Yeah, George. I mean, yeah, we would. In answer to your question about Man City, if Ronaldo joined, if it were today, I'd be going six to five to ten to eleven, maybe. So yeah. the, there would be a um, a shade of uh, odds on, that's for sure. And and you've hit the nail on the head with regards to why Chelsea's second favourites. It, it is Lukaku. It is that performance away at Arsenal, albeit it, be, it being Arsenal. And I agree with you in this as well that maybe the market currently is being a little bit disrespectful to Liverpool. I'm going a little bit off the cuff here, but to be fair, I think Jurgen Klopp went a little bit off the cuff with his team selection last week, George. <laughs> Harvey Elliott, we talked about him on last week's podcast, and then he comes in and, and has a real standout game for Liverpool last weekend. He's such a good player. He's such a good... I mean, I think he'll probably end up being in Qatar for the World Cup next year. You think? Um, well, I think if he's going to get games, it's not going to take long because he's he's so talented. There's no reason why. I mean, he's he's just quite clearly good enough. That The only reason that players such as Harvey Elliott don't get um, elevated into those senior squads is because they don't get the game time. You know, we've seen that with Jude Bellingham, who's got, um, who's been afforded a, a an amount of, of game time that teenagers aren't usually given, the same as Jadon Sancho, and they immediately get fast-tracked into the system. The same will happen mm. with Elliot. He is good enough. We saw, I think, everything I spoke about last week in terms of his passing ability alongside his ball-carrying ability. I, I didn't expect him to start as, in that kind of withdrawn midfield three, as he did. Uh, he was unlucky not to get an assist where um, Mohamed Salah was just offside for the ball he played through. It was an excellent three ball as well. Uh, he is such an exciting player and I really hope that this, the signs that he was he started their second game of the season at a time where there were other options um, suggest that he's going to continue getting game time. He's going to be a very, very popular player. Yeah, I think I'd be very surprised if he played on Saturday against Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, like so say, home games against home games against lower opposition at Anfield. You know, I think there's a, there's a space for him going by last weekend. Mm. Lukaku as well. The man was back, Steve. Oh yeah, it's just a bit. Really, 
he show, it's fair to say showed up on his, his debut. I think, I think, you think he let us, he let us know he was there, didn't he? Let's, uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely um, fantastic to watch um, as a neutral. I don't think that the supply line to Lukaku will be as plentiful this weekend as no. it won at the Emirates. And, of course, mm. Virgil van Dijk is clearly an upgrade on Mari in, in, in trying to deal with him. Lukaku has overtaken Mo Salah as, uh, as top goal scorer now into 11-4 to four from 5-1. to one. We've actually got a market on how many goals Salah and Lukaku will score on on the game at the weekend so it's none at 6 to 4 with one at 13 to 8 and three or more at 11 to 2 i don't know whether you guys think this will be an open game or a tight game probably uh totally the last one on that yeah, yeah 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 so that's so that's why we're a little bit shorter like zero at 6 to 4 i'd say 1-1 one, one if i was pushed yeah well, i'll get on to it when i when i get to my tip but but on i mean on lukaku uh, obviously, last week I, I I put him up at seven or two to. Oh, to you haven't score mentioned first. it. You, you he, haven't mentioned it in the week, George. You never mentioned he, it to he, me. He, yeah. he obliged. I didn't, did I? I, did, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I said so many people. Uh, and he, but then, I mean, what I said at the time is that that you know that that price is going to look very odd in a few weeks. I've noticed that that you lads have got him at four to one to score here. So you know, basically, just a tick a tick higher in a game where they're away at Anfield compared to at home. Sorry, but compared to the game uh, at Arsenal, but he. The impressive thing for me with Lukaku, um, obviously the goal um, and the fact that he should have scored a second if it wasn't for, for an incredible save from Bernd Leno, which I, I don't think Lukaku can still believe um, from the point blank header. But it was just, he, he is a, I mean, I've, and I've watched him enough for Inter, for Inter and for Belgium to kind of know this, but I've never seen such a dominant display. I've never seen a striker dominate two centre-backs in the way that he did uh, last weekend. It was his unbelievable knack of backing into the defender, getting the ball into feet, laying it off, passing around the corner. I mean, Havertz and Mount are going to have an unbelievable time playing off him. Uh, he is a totally different footballer to the one that Manchester United sold, where at United he had the ability to run in behind. His finishing was generally pretty good. But now he's he's matched that with a back-to-goal player and a target man strength and willingness to throw his body in between the defender and the ball that is going to make him a nightmare to play against. Any Premier League centre-back watching that game last weekend is going to dread coming up against Lukaku when he's in that kind of form. Um, and that starts on on the weekend where he's going to come up against you know the best that the Premier League basically has to offer in Virgil Van Dijk. I can't I cannot wait to see that matchup. Yeah, that's where it becomes really interesting on on Saturday, isn't it, Steve? You, will Virgil Van Dijk be having sleepless nights? I don't think so. I think he just comes across as, as a, a, a player that can handle himself. I mean, he's great in starting the Liverpool attacks as well as as well as defending them as well. So it's just great to see him back in in the Liverpool side. And like George says, it's going to be an incredible matchup. One of many matchups, whether it be on the sidelines or uh, or on the pitch as well. And uh, and the two and the two right backs aren't having a bad season either, are they? Yeah, tip here. Um, we mentioned it a second ago. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, uh, and I think the Liverpool are undervalued by the market so I'm going to chuck those two together for a bet builder uh, and do Liverpool double chance so that means Liverpool all draw and under four and a half goals which is five to six um, so I think we've seen it in the last couple of seasons that these big games as as, as we call them uh, are normally in the Premier League pretty disappointing with quite a lot at stake uh, normally ends up going um, the wrong way in terms of a viewing spectacle and I think these two could cancel each other out uh, I think Liverpool are the value though so getting both Liverpool and the draw on board and any therefore any scoreline of 0-0 of 1-0 Liverpool 2-1 Liverpool 1-0 um, you're copping so that's the way I'm going here Awesome You know that's a very very clever bet because I don't say there's been a goal fest at all but we'll, Thank we'll you come very back much. And we'll come back and review how you did how you did next week obviously we don't know <laughs> Good. at yeah. the moment I look forward to it 
Game three that we're going to preview then is Burnley against Leeds on Super Sunday at 2pm. Leeds, George, one point from their opening two games. What have you made of them? I mean, I thought they were terrible on, on opening day against Manchester United, as we've discussed before. But but the key for Leeds uh, is Calvin Phillips, really. That result and performance against Manchester United does not happen if Calvin Phillips is playing in that team because their midfield was non-existent. And when he plays, they have one of the best players in the whole division are playing that screening role with a with a passing ability that no one else uh, in the side has. So it's not a surprise that his return to the lineup against Everton resulted in a better performance. Uh, he also got 90 minutes again in midweek against Crewe. So he'll be back in the fold and that makes them a much, much harder nut to crack, really. And this is undoubtedly the, the game where they need to properly get their uh, season up and running against a side who by every every single measure, uh, is their inferior. I'm looking forward to uh, Diego Lorente being uh, being back in the side. Um, mm. Came came in the final third of last season and, and, and showed his class. We saw him in midweek against Crewe and just those three balls that he played outside. He's so good as well. He's the best centre-half at the club, there's no doubt about that. And his passing ability as well is also first class. And I think he just showed in midweek, you know, what, to the Leeds fans what they've been missing. I'm looking forward to see um, how he does at, at centre-half this season. Let's hear now from the Athletics' Leeds United writer, Phil Hay, and see what he's had to say about Leeds' start to the season. Old Trafford was always a difficult start for Leeds, and I don't think anybody expected Leeds to get a great deal over there. But the squad themselves and Bielsa would have expected to play better than they did. They would have expected to be more competitive and to have avoided a repeat of the the beating that they took last season when they lost 6-2 away to Manchester United in December. There were problems with the midfield. There was just a general lack of cohesion, which isn't, it isn't often the case with a Bielsa team. Everton on Saturday, I felt, was a bit more like a resumption of normal service. The, the authority was back, there was confidence, there was control. There was equally a period in the second half where it looked like the game might get away from Leeds and two very big chances for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which at 2-1 down would have probably put the game beyond them. Um, but I think with a big crowd there, the first full house for, for 18 months, it'll, it will have pleased Bielsa to see that the team didn't fold at that point and, and took what was, a, without any question, a, a deserved point. Point. And Burnley away coming up this weekend always looked like the, the easiest of the three fixtures to start with. It's a ground where Leeds won 4-0 last season. It's a ground where I think you could realistically hope that you will see Bielsa ball in, in something a little bit closer um, to full Technicolor. Um, to finish the month, I think with four points from three games would be a, a decent enough start and a start Leeds would be content with. The big news for them this week has been the call-up of Patrick Bamford to the England squad, um, just on the back of him signing a new contract at Leeds. It feels like it's been pending that for a while. He's been on Gareth Southgate's mind. He's been very much in his sights. The hope for Bamford was that he'd get a call up before the Euros and potentially get involved in in the tournament itself. Um, That didn't happen, but his form's been good enough to keep him in the picture. And I felt on Tuesday against Crewe, even though it was Crewe, there was a a very, very evident swagger in Bamford's um, game and and in his performance, which tells you that the confidence is there and, and that he's ready for this. Georgia mentioned briefly there Patrick Bamford first England call-up I mean Leeds fans were distraught he wasn't anywhere near the Euro squad in the summer but he's finally got his call-up so they'll be delighted and I'm sure he will be as well 
Yeah, I think he really deserves it. Uh, it's a case of a player who, who we've known for a long time had the talent who scored the goals in the EFL and could never really uh, match it in the Premier League when he was given his very, very few opportunities. But last season under Marcelo Bielsa, he had a fantastic campaign uh, playing up front in the Premier League. I, I didn't necessarily think he could do it, uh, despite watching him a lot in the Championship. I thought he might be one of those players who found the step up a little bit too much. But um, yeah, he certainly deserves the chance. And he offers... England, something different again. You know, you've got so many different options up front. Kane being the clear um, star, but then, you know, you've got the 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 target man style, the, the heading ability of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the, the poacher, Fox in the Box, who can also play uh, on the channels in Danny Ings. Uh, and now Bamford, a player who is so hardworking, has the um, ability to get uh, in goal-scoring positions, isn't necessarily always the most clinical, I would say. Um, but certainly as a footballer, he's very, very intelligent and, and a very good footballer to boot. So I'm excited to see him get his chance for England. It's pretty competitive to stay in the England squad in that role, given the amount of talent around him. Um, but he deserves his, his shot. Yeah, with Kane's fitness, you know, you never know. He might actually see more football than you'd anticipate. Let's move on to Burnley then, Steve. What have you made of them so far? Oh, it's refreshing to see uh, their, their their numbers, wasn't it, at Anfield? 1-11. to 11. Uh, Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, which was... Which oh, was, I love that. I think the last side to wear 1-11 to 11 were Charlton, who were relegated in 1998. So they may not love that. But clearly, <laughs> it's a squad It's a squad that's low on numbers. But I thought they had a bit of a go at, at, at Anfield. Of course, the, they had three shots on target there. Started they, well. Yeah, they had a disallowed goal from Ashley Barnes as well. Now, they didn't just sit back and soak it up and, and, and try and go for a nil-nil. Of course, they've had a bit of joy at Anfield, clearly, over the last few years as well. So that will give them hope towards the new season. They are third favourites currently to go down at 5-4 behind Crystal Palace and Norwich. But rather worryingly for me, they've already conceded 13 headed chances in the two games. I know you associate Burnley with being great at set pieces themselves and Leeds are renowned from struggling from set plays. But if I'm looking at a wager in this game, maybe I'll be looking to more more towards the lead centre halves as opposed to the Burnley ones. Is that your tip then? I'm actually going to mention a lead centre half. My tip is Liam Cooper to be booked. He's already been booked twice this season for bad fouls. I think he struggled with Dominic Calvert Lewin last week as well. And I think he'll have his hands full with with, with Chris Wood, uh, former lead striker, of course. I mean, Chris Wood is bigger, stronger, probably quicker than him as well. And the fact that we're offering five to one for him to be carded again, despite booking slightly been down after just this very small sample of two games, bookings are 2.95 per game as opposed to 3.16 last season. I just think at five to one, it's worth a wager. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athletic football with no spaces. 
the final game we're going to preview on this show is Wolves against Manchester United at 4.30 on Sunday. And George, you know, United will be very, very disappointed with, with what happened last week. Arguably, they could have lost. I think, they yeah, they definitely could have lost. Adam Armstrong uh, certainly had one chance that would have um, taken all three points. And, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but this is this is what happens at Manchester United. Um, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer we saw a really good performance um, against Leeds followed up by one that was just lacking that spark and that ability to to, to implement their higher technical ability than the opposition um, you know this is a Southampton side who have struggled uh, in recent months and I, and I, I rate Ralph Hasenhutl a great deal but they, un- they they shouldn't be a match for United Um yeah, it was it was it was disappointing. United fans will, will obviously point at Matic and Fred as being uh, one of the key reasons why they weren't able to control midfield. This is the same Fred who I thought had a very very good game against Leeds. Um, it, it's not as simple as just pointing at two players. I, I personally don't think, given the quality around the whole side, um, a lot of talk about there being a foul on Bruno in the lead up to the to the nah, Saints goal. Not now, not now. It I, is. I definitely don't think it was a foul, and I thought that. You know, the, the interview um, from Oli after the game saying that that would have been a foul even in his day. I, I, I just don't really see. It wasn't through the back. It was, no. he, took, he took the ball before the man. Um, and I've been quite frustrated. You know, this isn't a, a, a case with just Solskjaer. I've been quite frustrated with all managers' attitudes to the to, to the referees so far this season. I mean, we saw Steve Bruce talking about how there was a line this week and not a line last week. I mean, it's just, it's not the way it works, I'm afraid, Steve. That That isn't the case. Yeah, it was a disappointing performance and result for Manchester United having said that um, there's no reason not to think we're not going to see a lot more of that of that Leeds um, performance level especially given the fact that certain players who are going to improve them including surely Jadon Sancho will start on Sunday for his first Premier League start you have to think um, should mean that they, they do improve yeah, very true what you've just said about the officiating. I was at Villa Park, obviously, on Saturday, and I found it so refreshing the way the game yeah. was officiated and can't understand why that hasn't come in sooner. It made it all so much more enjoyable. A defender threw himself down to the floor in the corner at one point. And yeah, that's been a foul for the last 10, 15 years. It's really, really frustrating. Wasn't given. I was absolutely loving it. The game flowed. Football was a lot better. Steve Greenwood was a strange one in that Southampton game, though. Played so well as a, as a number nine the week before and then shunted back out wide to, to accommodate Martial. Do they not trust him to be the main man up front? He's, he's, not, a, he's not a striker. That's the simple answer. I think? That, no, he's I not think he could be. I think he could be. No, he's a... He's a uh, you only know a static striker, Steph. You don't, you don't know that, that one's that, on that, the nerve. That is true. His best position is off the right or as a 10. He he won't be uh, he won't be a centre forward for Manchester United this season, uh, in my opinion. Listen, he's 28 to 1 to be to be top goal scorer and as I said to you guys last week, I think he's a uh, I think he's a real runner to be uh, to win the young player of the year award and I'm uh, I'm delighted to see him start guys, but I'm also delighted to see Manchester United trying something as well from that's a bit different like set plays. I thought they were great from there as well. Um so, you know, let's see how they go on there. And, and, and Paul Pogba certainly pulling the strings. But for me, Mason Greenwood, Dan, it might be a little bit controversial with you, pal. He's not a striker. I think these days you can be, to all intents and purposes, a striker and play off the right, can't you? I, th- I think when, you, when you're playing three up front, I know what we think of a centre forward being, and I, and I understand that. But being on the right-hand side of the three, as shown by plenty of players, including Mo Salah, your, your, your main 
job is still to score goals. And I think that is where Mason Green- Greenwood thrives. I mean, we spoke last week about his his trademark finishes and that is hitting it across the keeper from a wide angle. That's where he wants the ball. Um, and you're much more able to use your pace running in behind either the wing back and the, and the left side of the centre back or between the, the left side of the centre back and the left back. That's where he wants to be. And I agree with Steve, that's where his future lies, but not in any way to detract from his goal scoring um, potential. That's just where he is going to be best utilised and probably where he'd score the most goals. Let's look then at your favourite team, Steve, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah, No points, but you know they've actually been very attacking. I, I think they've been quite good across the two games that they've played so far this season. I think they might come good, you know. Uh, you know what it's like in Midlands football, Dan? I think out of all our local clubs, I think the Wolves fans are, have been renowned to get on the players' back the most. That's changed these days. We're, we're all as guilty as one another. And they've had no points, no goals. But the optimism that, that you're hearing from Wolves fans, that disappointed, yes. Angry, no. They cannot wait for that next game. I know we saw that in midweek against Forest where they smashed four in. But the optimism is there. We know they had 25 shots against Spurs. We know that. You know what? Spurs had eight, but they had more on target. We know that they've had 42 shots in total this season. But... They have been chasing the games for a lot of that, which is a big factor in my opinion. And also 20 of them have been from outside the box. Uh, Jimenez has had 16 penalty box touches, um, eight attempts on goal, but none on target. Traore, I'm sure George will come on and mention that later. He's had 10 shots, but it will change. Yeah, I, I can see only positive things from, from Wolves this season. I thought about backing for relegation, but you know what? I think they're going to be okay. And I think they'll really enjoy uh, inviting Manchester United to Molyneux this weekend. And I think Wolves will give them a really good game. Yeah, George Adamatra already shown up in big games previously against Manchester City. Do you think this could be one where he shows up against Manchester United at Molyneux? Well, yeah. I mean, I think under the new manager, he's looked much more dangerous uh, in terms of getting into goal-scoring positions and utilising that pace in more dangerous areas. As Steve said, he's had 10 shots already. Uh, He missed, uh, I think, what we can probably call a sitter against Spurs, which would have levelled the game up. He was one-on-one with with Loris and tried to roll it to Loris's left, but it was a pretty tame attempt, to be honest. And he kind of telegraphed it there and made it quite easy for Loris to pull off a decent save. What I will say is, uh, with all of this stuff with Wolves and with Adama Traore, w- Wolves are going to turn their performances into points and to goals. Adama Traore, despite not being a particularly good finisher, is going to score goals if he continues getting into those positions. And that's why I'm pretty keen to side with Wolves in this game against Manchester United. It doesn't have a great deal to do with United, apart from the fact that you know there is every chance the United turn up here and blitz Wolves. Um, I accept that. But we do know, and I'm convinced that two, three times out of 10, Manchester United put in a, a six out of 10 performance, way beneath where they should be. And if they do put in that kind of performance that we saw against Southampton on Sunday, I think Wolves are better adept at picking them off. They've played some great stuff under the new manager. Uh, I've seen that Ruben Neves has been linked to a move to Manchester United, who is a player who I think they could do with because he has that defensive capabilities whilst also having the passing ability from deep to to start attacks, even though he might take a few too many 30-yarders for my liking. Um, but if you look at Wolves' first couple of games, you know they won the XG battle against Leicester, uh, 1.33 0.67 it was pretty tight against Spurs yes game state plays a massive part in that um, because they have been behind in two of those games chasing it but the football they're playing itself and the quality of, of player they have too you know if you look in forward areas it's not just Jimenez now it's not just Traore Neto Pedence Trincao these are all decent players mm. who can influence games and impact a team like Manchester United so yeah I'm, I'm keen on Wolves' chances I think the 4-1 to one on them to win is 
is wrong, basically. I, I think that if Wolves had picked up two points uh, in their first two games by playing exactly the same way and just two of those shots going in, they'd be markedly shorter. And I'm hoping we can hop on the back of some variants on, on Sunday and get, get with Wolves at a time where they should maybe um, put off a bit of an upset. Yeah, I would say it's a very good sign for Wolves considering the shift in between the two managers. You know, Nuno had them playing quite defensively. I think good signs for them early on in the season. Before we depart then, let's get a top tip of the weekend from both of you. Steve, I will come to you first. Yeah, I was I was thinking of back in Bamford to score at any time. Of course, he had his loan spell cut short at, at Burnley. I don't think the manager and Bamford swapped Christmas cards. He's 11 to 10 to score at any time. But I am going to sign with with Liam Cooper, who I think could have his hands full with Chris Wood this weekend. I think my, my Liverpool tip is the one. Um, Liverpool double chance, so Liverpool all draw and under four goals. Basically laying goals and laying Chelsea's is the way I'm looking at this. I mean, it wouldn't be a massive surprise if Chelsea did did beat them. But this is Liverpool at Anfield in a big game with a pretty much fully fit squad to choose from. Um, yeah, I'd be, I think if Chelsea go to Anfield and beat them, that is going to send a message to the rest of the league that Chelsea are, I mean, possibly even on a par with Man City in terms of, of their title aspirations. Yeah, I've got to say, I'm a big fan of that bet. I like what you've done there. Just one final reminder, you can sign up to The Athletic and benefit from the insight of some of the best sport writers in the business for just £3.33 a month by heading to theathletic.com slash Ornstein. Thanks to George and thanks to Steve as well. Remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss a show and leave us a review as well if you are feeling generous. We'll all be back next Friday morning. Have a good weekend. Cheers. The Athletic.